Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the first episode of Bullpen Bros under the Boys Don't Lie the Podcast brand. I am Brendan Kohler, and we are excited to get started here um, alongside Matt Contreras. Matt, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself? What's going on, everyone? I'm happy to be here, happy to be a part of BDL. I'm happy to get this thing started and rolling. I know we talked about doing an all-baseball podcast for a while now. Just, uh, I, think, I think the reason why we actually got our own show, I would say, is because our friends got tired of us talking about it so much in our group chat. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> but my name is Matt Contreras. I uh, I'm from Fresno, California. I uh, played baseball in my played baseball in my life. I it's all I watch. I've watched MLB Network since I was a kid. I eat, breathe, sleep baseball constantly. So I'm excited to talk baseball. And I know just as well as you, you love baseball just as much as I do. So I'm excited. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean. I started out watching the Royals from a young age. I'm a big Kansas City Royals fan. Uh, Grew up playing baseball, too. I didn't really play in high school or college or anything like that, but I definitely kept my interest in baseball all the way through, and now I'm a graduate assistant with the baseball team at Wichita State. So I kind of just was lucky enough to turn my interest as a kid into a job. So Absolutely. I'm lucky to do what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, I'm lucky to do what I'm doing. Hopefully I can make a career out of it, and I'm looking forward to just talking about baseball with you and sharing all of our thoughts with our listeners here. Absolutely. I can't wait. I'm ready to get started and just get this thing rolling. All right, so our first segment here, um, we're going to call it the warm-up pitch. I thought that was a good name that we came up with for our first segment on the podcast. I think it's pretty fitting. Um, Yeah. So we're usually going to try to kick off with fan questions, actually. But obviously, since this is the first episode, we're not going to have any. So if you guys have any fan questions in the future, um, you can reach out to us on social media. Um, The best way to contact me is probably through my Twitter. My Twitter is just Brendan underscore Kohler. And what's what's your Twitter, Matt? Um, I believe mine's Matt Contreras 22, and that's for all socials, uh, for Instagram and Twitter. So if you guys have a fan question when listening, we encourage everything, whether you want to hear our thoughts on your team or past matchups, pitching matchups coming up, whatever the case may be, we're, we're open to anything. So uh, feel free to give us any type of questions you like. Yeah, and I mean, I think we're going to be pretty open about what we talk about. Obviously, we're going to have a main focus on MLB, but... I see us talking about maybe some minor league stuff, maybe even some college baseball since I'm involved with a little bit and everything in between. So we're open up to anything. Absolutely. So the first thing we want to discuss today for our first warm-up pitch on Bullpen Boys is that they are introducing robot umpires in the AAA this year. Um, pretty interesting. That's something that they've kind of discussed for a while, but mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody saw it actually happening. No, and I don't think it's so going to finally happen. So, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think I think it's something that the game's needed for a while. I mean, uh, I, mean I would say for a while. I would say up until recently, I think a lot of the um, there's been a lot of playoff games, league games that have come down to uh, balls and strikes. You know, what I mean, there's a tough quarter mm-hmm. pitch that could be a key strike three in a big game. And, you know, it doesn't go that way because uh, you have a guy like Angel Hernandez back there just playing flat out misses it. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of you baseball fans know who Angel Hernandez is. I don't – he's 
he's a very interesting umpire to say the least. Uh, you know, and I think this is big. Um, I think it, I think it's huge for the game. I think it's the best way to go about it. I mean, if we're going to continue to get balls and strikes wrong and we want to get perfect, why not bring in technology into it? Technology's in a lot of sports today, as far as football goes with the whole stat cast and, um, route percentages, success rates, and all that. So, I mean, even in baseball, you got spin rate and all these things are taking over. So I think it's a big thing, actually, for baseball to incorporate, try to incorporate robot umpires and, you know, correcting these balls and strike calls, like I said, that come down to literally every single game. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I think that it's something that's going to improve the game. Like you said, there's been a lot of playoff games and everything that's been decided by bad balls and strikes calls. So, I mean, why not just let a computer decide what it's going to be? I mean, we know it's going to be accurate and it's going to be a lot more accurate than a human eye could be. So for sure, I think as long as it works right and that it doesn't glitch out, which I mean, it shouldn't. I mean, we watch every, the MLB games and you can see the strike zone pop up on all mm-hmm. those games already. So, mm-hmm. And there's, and there's a lot already, even of those that like, like you see it on the K, like the K zone and then it comes up as a strike and the guy doesn't even call it, you know, and it can yeah. be right on that corner. Right, exactly. So it's technology that's already used. It's just not used to call it on the field. So I think it'll be interesting to finally put it into play and just see how it works. And I think, if it works out fine, then it'll definitely be beneficial because nobody's going to get screwed over by bad balls and strikes calls anymore. Exactly. So, and there's nothing the managers can complain about at all, you know? And yeah, and that's a big thing too. I mean, you, I mean, I'm, I'm a Yankees fan. I don't think I mentioned that. I'm sorry for all those <laughs> listeners. I know. You should have just not mentioned that at all. I, I, you're right. I probably shouldn't have. I'm not, <laughs> I'm going to put this out there on the record now. I'm not your typical Yankees fan. I'm a very realistic fan. I'm also a Cowboys fan too. So you could put that oh, stereotype together. I mean, you just scared off right. a lot of our listeners. I know, right? That's all, all of them just clicked. <laughs> all of them just clicked off. We're like, all right, we're done. This guy has no credibility <laughs> whatsoever. But uh, no, uh, I'm a Yankees fan. I know that's a big thing with Boone too. I mean, you see uh, Aaron Boone back there. I mean, I love that he fights for his guys, but a lot of the time it's for balls and strikes and pitches are just missed. So that takes away this, that human error of the game. And if it can make it better, it makes it better. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I think the next thing we want to talk about here, um, something that came up a couple of days ago. I mean, it's not too newsworthy, but I thought it was kind of something to mention. Um, the Rays had proposed to play a split season in Montreal. So they wanted to play half their home games in Montreal, half their home games in Tampa Bay, and MLB ultimately struck it down. So do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, no, I actually thought that was really interesting. Um I know the Rays, the Trop Trop has been a very controversial stadium for gosh, I don't know how many years now. Um, you know, with the whole Pretty much dump as soon as it opened. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I mean <laughs> There's been complaints about not being able to see the ball up in the air. There's been uh, – you got the rafters up there to where every ball gets hit up in the air and he hits it. And, you know, either they I – don't, I don't even know what the ruling is, I think, on that. I think sometimes they they, they count as a foul ball. Um, you know, it's just it's just a really messed up stadium, to be honest with you. And I think that's the biggest thing they're trying to do is, get a, is to get a brand-new stadium. And I was reading an article, actually, on this saying that um, although they've been to the World Series – I think twice now and their, their attendance is still bottom of the MLB. They ranked, I think 28th only above the Marlins and the A's. And Mm -hmm. I found that really interesting because I feel like the Rays have put together some really good ball clubs recently, especially as of late. So 
um, with fan attendance being that far down, it's like, okay, well, is it a structure? Like, it has to be a stadium thing for me. And um, I know they're talking about possibly moving it over to Tampa, which is about like a 25-minute drive from St. Petersburg. And Mm -hmm. I think that could be a good move. You know, you got the Buccaneers there who um, have a very loyal fan base. You know, it could open it up to maybe new some new fans. I mean, I, I don't – I know a 25-minute drive doesn't seem like a lot and it shouldn't make a huge difference. But, I mean, I look at it the way – when I was looking at this, I thought about it as our AAA team here in Fresno. Or I think we're a double-A or single-A team now. But mm-hmm. we've had countless great players come through here. We had Bumgarner, Posey, um, a lot of great – Correa – um, we've had a lot of great, a lot of great ball players come through here and our fan attendance has not shot up at all. It's always been stagnant and stayed the same. And I think that has a lot to do with the location of it. So I think if you were to move that location from downtown to maybe more up, like more, uh, like North part of Fresno Clovis, I think our baseball community would all show out for it. So I don't know. I think the move, um, Maybe moving it to Tampa could be the thing, but I was really surprised and shocked that they shot it down only because, and I think they did it too, because um, MLB is in this lockout right now, right? So I think they didn't want mm-hmm. that to be like the very first thing that comes out as big news is allowing Tampa Bay to go and do that. Like they they were scared to make that jump. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it's also difficult to have a team playing home games in two different cities too. I think – that alone is just a huge issue that's logistically. True so that's probably a big reason why I got shot down. Um, it's hard to say what the answer is for the Rays, in my opinion. I mean, I get that the ballpark is not good. I think that does scare a lot of fans off. I mean, I don't think anybody has said that they've enjoyed watching a game at Tropicana Field before. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's hard to say if that's a, just a ballpark thing or if the, uh, Tampa Bay is just not a good market for baseball. And obviously they're not going to figure that out until they move into a different ballpark. Right. Right. But it, it's just hard to say what the answer is because you move to a different ballpark and you still don't get fans there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just wasted building a whole new stadium, millions of dollars, and then you're kind of stuck in the same boat. So I don't know. I would yeah. say it would probably be better to move the team at this point. It could just be. Because I think they've had so much success here in these the past decade. I mean, obviously they got that World Series win. I mean, mm-hmm. they've, they've made the playoffs more times than I think people realize, too. They've had some good baseball teams in the past decade. And they still haven't got that fan support that they deserve. So, yeah. I, yeah it's, and, it's hard to say not bring where they should what move. Is. Yeah. It's just hard to say where they would move is the only thing. I think that Las Vegas would be an interesting spot for a team. Yeah. But they would have to arrange the uh, divisions a lot if they mm-hmm. made a move to Las Vegas. So Yeah, that would be a lot of shuffling for sure. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's an is interesting there any point. Bringing city it up you to, would have in mind it for a race relocation? Not really. I mean, uh, you say Vegas, that actually is very, like, intriguing, only because I've heard that name pop yeah, up for Oakland. I've heard that pop up for the A's because of the Raiders, and they're there now. They re- obviously rebranded from Oakland to Las Vegas. Yeah, so that's I think true, that, which that's a, that's that's a whole other discussion, which they can move yeah. to. 
Exactly. So, I mean, that's another team that can obviously rebrand there. And, I mean, they're bottom in attendance as well. So, I mean, it's very hard. I don't, like I said, uh, they're in St. Petersburg right now in Florida, and that's it's, that's Yankee country. That's where their biggest fan base is probably primarily Yankees because that's where the spring training facility is. So it's kind of – it's really hard to say where you can really move them. Um, I really don't even have a city in mind, to be honest with you. Shoot, move them to Fresno. Why not? I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't <laughs> mind having an MLB Cali. team out here. <laughs> yeah, that Why not? Oh, but, man. So, uh, yeah, you know. it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I mean, anything's possible. So, yeah, we'll just yeah. have to see moving forward what the plan is. First things first, get a brand – like, start – get get the process of going and getting a brand-new stadium. That's the biggest thing, I think, in mind. Get away from the trop and just get away from that disaster of a baseball field. Yeah, I totally agree because there's nothing good coming from that stadium at all from a player's standpoint and a fan's standpoint. Agreed. So, moving on. I want to talk a little bit about StockX. StockX is an online marketplace and clothing reseller, primarily of sneakers. Since November 2020, it has also opened up to electronic products such as gaming consoles, smartphones, and computer hardware. The Detroit-based company was founded by Dan Gilbert, Josh Lubert, Greg Schwartz, and Chris Kaufman in 2015-2016. StockX has more than 800 employees in downtown Detroit authenticating shoes and other accessories daily. StockX's pick of the week is Yeezy Foam Runner and Fear of God Essentials Core Collection Crew Neck. Type in promo BDL for 10% off. That code is valid from February 2nd to 12th in all 50 states and Puerto Rico. Shop now for all of your fashion needs. So, moving on, we're going to get to our main uh, discussion of the day. So, how we're going to do this for these first couple weeks, we're going to give a little season preview for the 2022 season for each division. And we're going to start out with the AL East, which I think is a pretty good division to start out with. Um, they were so successful last year. I mean, they had three or four teams with over 90 wins. So mm-hmm. it's definitely an interesting division, and there's a lot of competition there. And they've got your Yankees there too, so I think it's going to be a good discussion. Absolutely. No, this is probably, one of, in my opinion, one of the best divisions of baseball. I mean – you couldn't say that as of late because a lot of these teams had struggled, but this year was stressful to say the least. And it came all the way down to the last game of the season. And I mean, they even had they had the tiebreaker, I believe, this last season, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. They sure had a tiebreaker for Toronto. I think Toronto had a win, and they were in. If not, they, yeah. But no, it was a very interesting division. I mean, there's so many competitive teams here. There's so many, so much to discuss and put together in this division. And like, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I, like you said, I mean, I would say this is by far the best division of baseball, at least last year. Four teams in the same division with over 90 mm-hmm. wins. I mean, you you don't see that very often. And then, of course, they had the two teams in the wild card, too, which was pretty crazy to see. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, starting off our discussion here, we're going to start with the worst team in the division from last year. We're going to kick it off with the Baltimore Orioles. So... um. I think my main thing with the Orioles is pretty obvious. I think they just need to blow it up and start from square one, which is kind of what they've already been doing. But even more so with the success that the rest of the division is having, Mm -hmm. they don't really have a shot at making the playoffs in the pretty, pretty near future. So they might as well just try to develop through the minor leagues and Mm -hmm. kind of just see where they can go from there. 
Um, I think they've got a good bright spot in Cedric Mullins. He kind of came out of nowhere last year, starting center fielder, hadn't really heard much about him. And then he goes and hits 291, has an on-base percentage 360, and hits 30 homers, steals 30 bases. I mean, what more could you want out of center center fielder? (laughs) That's crazy. I mean, he's a good building block for him. He's 26, so, I mean, he might be on the wrong side of 30 when they start finally competing, but I think he's a good guy to keep around at least to see what happens and just uh, have a good guy to build the team around. And um, looking at their starting rotation, I think John Means is definitely a good guy for them to have. I think he might be a potential trade piece for him. Um, He had a 362 ERA this past year, um, 1.03 whip. So those are really good numbers. He was first he had a, time also. He had a strong first half too until he got hurt. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, I think he would be a good trade piece for him. I mean, he's 28, so he's probably not going to be in his prime anymore when they start to compete. So, I would say a good move for them would just to trade him and get some young guys, trade him to a contender that needs pitching, and you know, just build up that farm system even more than they already have. And I 100% agree So, um, moving on, I want to talk a little bit about what they've done in free agency. So, first things first, they they, they lost their starting catcher, Pedro Severino, to the Brewers, which uh, we'll talk about the prospects here in a second. So, I don't think it's going to be too big of an issue for them because they have a pretty good uh, catcher in the farm system. Um, they signed Jordan Lyles for a one-year, seven-mil contract. I thought that was kind of a questionable signing for them because, I mean, it's not too big of a risk signing a guy for uh, one year and seven-mil, but Lyles led the league in earned runs last year and homers allowed, so I don't really see him really helping them this year. What do you think? Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I there's, I mean, with the whole thing with losing Severino, um, I didn't see that as a, like, I mean, obviously it was your starting catcher, and he he's had he's been up and down all year as far as hitting wise. Like it was depending on if he was hitting well, then he was a great catcher. If not, you had that defensive stature back there. You know what I mean? And I, I think Jordan Lyles was a like you said a very questionable pickup, but with this team and the way it's being built. I think they're just more so reliant on the young talent that they do have that they're right now. I think they're just trying to piece together a team, like you know, just put a team out there to compete. Because, like you said, there's like when you got a team, when you got a division with the Rays, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, who are all mm-hmm. 91 teams and ready to win now. It's like, all right, yeah. before we start competing, we gotta get our pieces together and get our foundation started before we're able to move on and be ready to compete with these big market teams. You know what I mean? Because it's like if I if I'm going on if I'm going in there mm-hmm. with who we have now, we're gonna put together another probably another fifty two win season. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And they also signed Runet Odor, which I mean, with you being a Yankees fan, you probably have something to say about him, but I see that as like a little lit risk, little reward signing. I mean, I think we've seen a lot from him the past couple of years that there's not much left there. But, I mean, 
you saw him play last year, so what are your thoughts on him? For sure. I thought I thought Ruggy was a big add for him only because like when you got like you look at the other team, you got Cedric Mullins, twenty seven, you got Mountcastle, twenty four, you got uh Anthony's uh San I always pronounce the last name wrong. Uh San Sanator, I think it's I, I don't know how you say it really, but he's twenty seven. You got Mancini, twenty nine, Austin Hayes, twenty six. Like you're looking at these this team, it's a young team filled with twenty year old guys. You know, and I think you needed a guy that's been like that's been in big big teams. He's been with the Yankees. He's been with Texas when they're when they were when they were competing. Like he's been a part of competitive. He's been a part of um, competitive teams to where I think he could come in here and teach these young guys. You know, like show them the way. Like te- show them in a sense that veteran presence in that clubhouse to be able to keep them together, keep them the right mentality, help them develop. It's just I, I see it as another veteran guy that's going to be a, the, that's able to come in there and help him coach because I think that's what this team needs, especially when you have um, Rutschman coming up. You have Rutschman coming up, who I think is going to be in the pros by in no time with how fit quick they brought up Mountcastle and all that. I can see him up there pretty soon, and I think when they bring him up, that's when Ordor is really going to have that impact as far as having these young guys and helping them out with struggles, slumps, that adjustment to triple A, AAA pitching to major league pitching. You know what I mean? It's just that presence that needs to be there. Yeah. And leading into that, um, having that veteran presence in that lineup, that's what I see that have uh, going on at the starting rotation. I know you mentioned John means being a trade target. I can see that definitely happening at a deadline type thing. I think the mm-hmm. Orioles can get rid of means at the deadline and be able to get, some prospects for him if he continues if he can, comes back and has a great year like he did the first half last year before he got hurt. I think if they're able to move him, it's going to be at the deadline. But going off of this rotation, you also have Jordan Lawrence, who like I like you like I said, I don't think it was a bad ad, only because I think they're just trying to put a team out there. I actually see them in free agency adding a starting pitcher. I could see them adding someone just kind of similar to what Marcus Simeon did last year. You know, bringing mm-hmm. in a guy that's a veteran and who can boost their stock by having a great year with the Orioles and helping that team out. So I, I see them bringing in maybe even like bringing Matt Harvey back, having another year with him. Or I, I think the biggest thing for me, I think is Michael Pineda. I think Pineda comes in here, fills that void in that rotation behind means and gives this team that veteran outlook that they're looking for. And I think okay. he can have a, I think if he has a successful year, that just only boosts his stock up again. And it makes him that premier pitcher, once again, that he once used to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would definitely be a good ad for him, I think, because, I mean, like we've talked about before, they're not really in a place to compete, so they're just trying to add guys to fill out the team. And I mean, if he has a successful year, then they can just get him as a trade piece and hopefully get something out of him. So, I mean, what more could you ask for as a team that's only like a 50- or 60-win team at this point? Exactly. So um, you mentioned the guy that you thought they should target. I thought that they should maybe target Jose Iglesias, which I thought would be a pretty good low-risk signing for them. Um, obviously, they have okay. their infield pretty much wide open, so he could come in and start for him immediately, and he could be another guy that they could maybe flip at the trade deadline. Um, he hit three seventy three for the Orioles in 2020. So obviously, he didn't play for him last year, but he had a pretty successful little run with the Red Sox after – he got sent there the trade deadline. So 
I mean, he'd come out and hit maybe 280, 290 for the Orioles and have another contender trade for him. I think that'd be a good free agent for them to target. Yeah, no, definitely. I definitely think Jose Iglesias is a name that they could bring in there, especially with Odor, um, the way he hit last year. He hit 202 last year with the Yankees. I think going into the situation in Baltimore, I think it's a little different because I don't think I think he has that pressure taken off of him. And I see him more as a mentor, like I mentioned. Um, bringing Jose Iglesias in there could be a good move. I mean, he can definitely platoon and play second or short if you needed him to. And you can't deny that glove. I mean, that glove is just outstanding. So, I mean, if you can add another great defensive glove to that line, to that, <clears throat> to that starting lineup, that's I don't see I don't see that being a bad move at all either. Yeah, hundred percent. So uh, maybe moving on a little bit here from the free agency side of things, we've talked about how good the farm system is for the Orioles. So is there any prospects that catch your eye there in that Baltimore farm system? For me, it's just Rutschman. I think Rutschman, like I said, I mentioned, I think we're going to see him very early on um, because I think they just want to get him up there and get him accustomed to major league pitching. Because like I said, you got Mullins, you got Mount, uh, Mount Castle, you got that whole lineup to where you bring in and bring up Rutschman. I think he's going to be able to adapt to the game really quickly, and that just allows him more time to grow and be up at that pro level a lot more and get accustomed to that that pro style level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the fact that they lost Severino too. I mean, I think it's a perfect spot for Rushman to maybe just come in immediately at the start of the year and just ride it out and see what they got. I mean, he's a top prospect in baseball for a reason. Exactly. I mean, I don't, I don't see any red flags for anything for him there, so they should just get him in there as soon as possible and maybe just mm-hmm. his presence back there can yeah. help out their pitchers. Get him up so. there and just get get him up there and just start developing him. I mean, like yeah. I said, like right now you're not in a win-now mode. Just get your guys up there that you want to build around and just do that. Get prospects at the trade deadline. Do whatever you need to do to make this team competitive for in the future. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple of guys I want to talk about in the farm system. Um, the first guy I want to talk about is Grayson Rodriguez. He's a right-handed starter in their farm system. He's ranked the, as the eighth best prospect in the MLB for MLB.com. Uh, he had a 2.6 ERA in AA this past year. Dude had 121 Ks in 79 and two-thirds innings, which oh is my. fantastic. Uh, his fastball is, sits 95, goes up to 99 which is definitely a plus. He's got a plus changeup and a slider. So, I mean, I see ace potential on this kid. We could see him in 2022, especially because, I mean, he doesn't really have much competition in that rotation. So they might as well get those guys up and see what they can do. Another guy they've got, D.L. Hall. He's a left-handed pitcher in their farm system. He's ranked 72nd on MLB.com. He had a 313 ERA in AA. And he had 56 Ks and 31 and two-thirds innings. So he his season was cut short due to an elbow injury, but it's something that he should bounce back from pretty easily. He's a sitting at 96 mile-an-hour fastball guy. can run it up to 99 as well. He's got a plus changeup and curveball. Um, the only red flag about him, he needs a little bit of command work, but I think the Orioles have nothing to lose. So I think that's another guy they should maybe send up in 2022 and see what they've got out of them. Two good pitchers to look out for in the Orioles farm system. Then one other guy I want to touch on in the Orioles farm system is actually their second-round pick this year, 2021, 
His name is Connor Norby. He's a second baseman. He was drafted out of East Carolina. So this is a guy I got to see actually play a little bit last year because we played East Carolina at home, Wichita State. So he showed great plate approach and contact. Um, He hit well over 400. He actually hit 421 last year for ECU. Wow. So he's a great contact bat. He ended up hitting 283 and had a 413 on base percentage in single A in 26 games last year. So I think he's a guy to keep an eye out for. He's definitely not going to get sent up this year, but he's a guy that maybe he could impact in 23 or 24, kind of a farther out guy. But I just want to touch on him a little bit since he's somebody I'd seen play in person. No, absolutely. I mean, all these prospects that they have, like like we mentioned, like I mean, they have a bright future ahead of them. I mean, you got Grayson Rodriguez, like you mentioned, six five two twenty, has a fireballer for an arm, and I mean, each level he's dominated so far. I mean, yeah. rookie ball one point four, single A ball two point six, uh, high A ball one five. Like no matter where this kid's been, he's been successful. So I'm excited to. See, I mean, as a, as a Yankees fan, I'm slightly excited but you know uh i think yeah. i mean I, I could see the orioles within the next few like i would say maybe two to three years if not four being very competitive and being very talented just all around to where that lineup's just stacked the rotation's young and throws hard and able to get guys out be crafty get them in and out you know what i mean like i think i think once they get these guys up there they're going to be very successful yeah, I totally agree. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years for him. Get some of these guys up to the major leagues and just see what you got because you never know what you got until they're finally up to the show. Exactly. So uh, we'll move on a little bit here from the Orioles. We'll go into the Blue Jays. What, what did you see from the Blue Jays last year? You know, with Toronto, um, they're, I mean, obviously they had the Cy Young winner. They had Robbie Ray, who had a phenomenal year. And I see that as a big loss. I mean, they lost Robbie Ray. They lost Mark, uh, Simeon. Um, they lost Matsu. It was a loss, but in my eyes, not really that big of a loss. Um, you know, with this team, their lineup's going to score. You know, you have, I think, with a healthy Springer, I think he's going to have a bounce-back year after missing a good majority of last year. You have Bo Bichet, who's a young talent at – 20 was he 23 or 24 years old mm-hmm. he's going to continue to do him and a vlad i mean that's that's just enough said alone right there <laughs> yeah we all know what we're getting about <laughs> like you get <laughs> that's all you got to say he's just like his dad when you say vlad you just you're like okay yeah no that dude matches the ball um yeah, yeah. he's gonna be a parental mvp candidate oh 100 but the biggest thing i saw with this team is they had no the rotation was good when they went and got Brarius, I thought that was a big. I thought that was a great move for them, behind Robbie and being able to get Brarius up there, being able to be that number two, and I think and now he's going to be taking over that number one slot. I think this rotation is going to be just fine. You got Brarius, you got Gosman, you got Rue, and then you got uh, who else? They're Stripling. You have all these guys that I think are going to be just fine. I think they're going to do fine on the mound as far as starting goes. The biggest problem I think I saw with this team and watching them play and facing them. Uh, is that bullpen? You know, you have mm-hmm. you have uh, JC there, and he's been dominant. You know what I mean? And he's been lights out time and time again. Anytime he goes in the game, you know what you're getting from him. But there's uh, for me, I just felt like they lacked that a second that setup guy, in my opinion. 
And yeah. I think that's one thing that they really needed because you can have you can have the best starting pitch in the world and they can go out there and give you a full seven. But if you don't have that guy to come in behind him and be able to shut the door, that's where you're going to have your problems because then that's mm-hmm. where the game can get away from you. And and in those close ball games, that's where it all ultimately comes down to. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, if I'm looking at the Blue Jays right now, I'm pretty much agreeing with everything you're saying here. I mean, their lineup is one of, if not the best in baseball. I mean, they led the league in OPS last year. They hit 797 OPS as a team, which is absolutely insane. I mean, uh, Santiago Espinal was a starting third baseman. He came out of nowhere, hit 311, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, their outfield, we hadn't even talked about their outfield yet. I mean, they got Guriel Jr. He's a solid power bat. They got Teoscar Hernandez, another guy that kind of came out of nowhere. He hit 32 jacks last year. Um, one guy you didn't mention in their starting rotation, though, Alec Manoa. He kind of came out of nowhere last year, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a big pitching ninja guy on Twitter. So I see a lot of his stuff on Pitching Ninja. He's got to have one of the best sliders in baseball. Well, without a doubt. I mean, this kid's only 23. He had a 3-2-2 ERA last year. He had 20 starts. So, I mean, I think he could have Cy Young potential here and maybe the near future. I could um, see that for sure. He's He's got great stuff. I mean, he's all you could want in an ace in the rotation. Um, so, yeah, the, I think their starting rotation is going to be great with him and all the guys you mentioned. I think they're going to have one of the better rotations in baseball. Um, one guy that they added for their bullpen and free agency, they got Yimmy Garcia from mm-hmm. the Astros. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that could be a good piece for them going forward, I think. Um, I think somebody they need to target in free agency um, to help out this bullpen would probably be Kenley Jansen. Is the name I'm going to throw out there? Yep, I would, I would 100% agree with you. He's on my list. Today. He's on my list as well. He could immediately step in as their closer, push uh, Romano back to the setup role. You know, Jansen's got the postseason experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's a perfect fit in my opinion. I agree, and you know, I mean, even if you don't take Romano out of that role, I mean, it's it they're interchangeable. You know what I mean? Either you want to yeah. give you want to give Romano a day off of closing. You can because you got Jansen there, and that's what mm-hmm. I was saying as far as having that that depth right there to where you have your setup, your main setup guy, and your closer to where they should essentially essentially be interchangeable to where it doesn't matter if the, he's on an off day or not. You're not changing anything. You're not losing anything, and that's where I that's where I agree with you with bringing in Jansen or maybe even a guy like like Kelly. You know what I mean? That's another solid bullpen arm. Ooh, I, I think he think I think he'd come in there and be a solid bullpen arm and fit in there quite nicely to where mm. he comes in and fills that role to where it's just another five baller. He I mean he gets he gets out. I think last year he I think he had trouble walks last year, but that was the only downside. But other than that, every single year he's gone out there, he's given you innings. He's just been a bulldog on the mound. It doesn't matter who he's facing, he's gonna go after you. Yeah, and I mean, we've all seen the stuff about him on social media, the the kind of presence he's got on the mound. Mm-hmm. And that's um, that's that's not coachable. It's either you have it or you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you don't teach confidence on the mound. That's that's something that's earned through experience and just DNA. So mm-hmm, exactly, I didn't even think about Joe Kelly. That would be a perfect spot, honestly. He had a great year with the Dodgers last year. 
Oh, 100%. Even, even in 2022, he was great. So, and then, I mean, um, you could always look at, you can, al- I mean, you can always look at this line and be like, eh, maybe we could go out of bat too. Yes, you could. But, and essentially, like you said, Espinal came out and had the year that he did to where to me, it's like, yes, Simi was a huge loss. I mean, he gave you, uh, I think he had a 40 homer season last year. Yes, he gave you mm-hmm. that production. But essentially, with Espinal, with his, 376 on base percentage and three uh, 311 batting average. There's no need. I mean, if he can just if he can produce close to those numbers at that number nine role, the Blue Jays are going to be just fine. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, who do you think is going to fill in at second base for Simeon? Uh, probably Calvin Biggio. I think yeah. I think Biggio is going to step in there and probably take over that role. Um, I think yeah, I think Biggio will probably step in there. He needs to improve with his bat. Maybe even think about flip flopping Espinal and Biggio. Maybe in the lineup, I would have Biggio maybe bat eight or nine. Have Espinal maybe switch with Biggio, uh, switch and go seven eight. Just have those two guys at the bottom of the order to where if they produce, they produce. If not, eh, it's okay. You know what I mean? Because you have mm-hmm. such a stacked lineup already with Springer, Bichet, Vlad. Hernandez, Gurriel, Grichik, like you, you like they don't. Yes, you, all you need is a little production and a little bit of help from them. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and I think Biggio he kind of had a disappointing year last year, but at the same time, yeah. his two seasons before that they weren't great, but they weren't terrible either. And obviously, he's got good DNA too. So I think yeah. that's I think, I think he'll be just fine. That, <laughs> yeah, he could be he could be a bounce back candidate. I think. Oh, 100%. If he, I if he ends that. up. Getting that second baseman job, I could see him maybe surprising some people and just fitting right into this Blue Jays lineup. One hundred percent, I can see that as well. All right. So, is there any guys you want to talk about in their farm system at all? Um, man, um, they got Gabriel Moreno, who mm-hmm. I think is a solid. I think he's their top prospect right now. Um. He, he's very solid at the plate. I mean, last year in double A ball, he had 373. And then when they brought him up to triple A, he struggled a little bit, but I think that's that's always kind of the 10. I mean, he played three games there. He played three games at triple A, so it's a very small sample size. Yeah, it's not big enough to draw any conclusions. Other so. than that, every every level he's hit, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think he's a guy in the future that they could bring up, and he's just going to be another big bat for him. You know? And then that's the thing. With this Blue Jays team, I think they have a lot of good prospects that are able to hit, which is kind of scary because that's all they need are contact guys. They already have their power. All they need is guys that get on base, and they're going to be able to drive them in. Um, who, who, who do you got your eye on? Is there anyone out there that you see for the Blue Jays that is going to help this team down the line? Um, Moreno was definitely a guy I had my eye on, too. Just looking at their starting catcher right now, Reese McGuire, he's – Definitely below league average in most categories. So, Moreno's a guy that could maybe step in and win that catching job and just even add more juice to the lineup. Mm-hmm. Somebody else I had my eye on was Jordan Groshans. He, he's a middle infielder. He's ranked 55th on MLB.com for top prospects. He hit 291 in 75 double-A games last year. And people also say he's a great fielder. So, if – Maybe Biggio starts out and he's struggling. I think that Groshans could maybe be a name to look out for to maybe play second base for the Jays this year, assuming that they don't go pick up somebody in free agency. Okay. 
so yeah, I'd, I'd say that's definitely a name to look out for I for could, sure. Yeah, I mean, hey, if you're if you're if you're not producing at the plate, I mean, your job's easily takeable at that level. You know what I mean? We can just bring in someone else up from the minor leagues. If he's hitting, he's hitting. We'll we'll give him your job. You know what I mean? So, hundred percent. Hopefully, Biggio has the bounce back year and is able to produce like I know his dad would have. <laughs> we all know how good his dad was. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I think that's all we got on the Blue Jays. So now we will be able to move on to a team that you're probably excited to talk about or maybe not so excited to talk about. I don't really know, but we're about to find out. So what do you got on the Yankees here? All right. You know, we've, we had some key, we got hurt. You know I mean? We've got some key losses this off season. We lost Andrew Henney. We lost Phil Nevins. Like those are just two huge losses to the Yankees organization. I'm just kidding. I didn't like both either one of them. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Henney, anytime he went out there, gave up a bomb. Phil Nevins, I think, cost us that game against the Red Sox. So, um, no, but I think I think our, uh, honestly, I think the biggest loss for the Yankees that I was honestly a huge fan of that we, when we picked them up um, during the or during the trade deadline was Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo was a guy that I loved in this lineup because when you look at this lineup, all I see is power. You know, and I think the Yankees need to change their whole identity. And I think we need to get away from the whole Bronx Bombers mentality. Um, mm-hmm. I've never liked that. I mean, we had that back when I was a kid. But recently, like, we we don't have anyone to drive guys in. You know, I mean, you look at the Giants. What power guys do really the Giants have? The Giants never really – didn't really have that big pop guy. They just played baseball. And that's yeah. what we that's what we lacked. I mean, we were – we were uh, – we placed fifth – and amongst teams, uh, runners left on base. I cannot tell you how many times I would watch a game and DJ LeMahieu would get a leadoff double to start off the game. Aaron Judge mm-hmm. comes up, strikeout. Stanton comes up, strikeout. Voight comes yeah. up, strikeout. Well, game's, inning's over. Now move on. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, Three K's in a row. Not much you can do about that. <laughs> we lacked that contact and that ability to be able to move guys over, hit guys in. And when we had Rizzo, he did that. You know, and that's what I loved about him. Yes, we had Luke Voigt, who led um, led the league in Hobers during the COVID short season. He had a great year, but yeah, I I I really want that contact presence in this lineup, and I think the Yankees need to adopt that type of mentality and get away from the Bronx Bombers mentality. Um, so with that, in the, and in the off season, I think I think they should bring back a guy like Rizzo if we're able to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the big picture one would, I would love for us to bring back Freddie. I would love for us to bring in Freddie Freeman. I think he would be a great <laughs> yeah. addition to this lineup. However, I don't see that happening. Um, I would love Rizzo it's to possible. come back. I, I, I hope so. I mean, if we can give, give him the money he wants and he's willing to walk away from Atlanta, by all means, Freddie Freeman, be in pinstripes, please. Yeah, but I if mean, not, if not knows? Rizzo... Rizzo, I would want, I would more than want back, just because I feel like he gave that type of presence in the lineup. And then Yankee Stadium, obviously, with the short porch, with the power, um, he's able to do a lot there. And then, but obviously, but the biggest, the biggest thing for me as a Yankees fan is I really want to sure up that shortstop position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think bringing in, I, I, I'm not, I've just never been sold on Glaber Torres. Um, yeah, his defensive skills have been. Eh, wishy-washy. Um, there have been times where routine throws were missed, um, skips in the dirt, which, I mean, it's it, we're, we're ball players. We make errors. I get it. But 
um, when it happens time and time again, that's when it becomes an issue for me. And then his his contribution at the plate, he batted two fifty nine last year, um, which isn't which isn't terrible, but it's not the greatest either. When you're in a lineup like you like you have Luke Foy who batted two thirty nine in front of you, like we need a little bit more production for that. And so I want to bring in I, my biggest straight tar- my biggest straight target for us is bringing in Trevor Story. I think Trevor's, I would one hundred percent agree with that. I think Trevor's that was a guy that was on my list. Yeah, no, I think we bring in Trevor Story. And he has a bounce back year. I think he has a big season. I think he has a huge season in New York because of the change of scenery. He's been in Colorado to where – I'm sorry for you, all you Rocky fans that are listening, but <laughs> they've, sorry, had, they've, had, they've had no hope over the last few years. You know what I mean? Like yeah. They have not been competitive. They have not been in the hunt. They have not been in the race. So as a player – you want to play for those teams that are going to be in contention year after year that it, it, get, it drives you as a player to do better. Other than that, mm-hmm. you get complacent, you know, and you lack that motivation as much as a ball player. You probably shouldn't, but you do. So I think with the change, I mean, you saw it with Holmes last year, he came from Pittsburgh at the deadline. He had a four year array ended up being one of the most reliable arms in our bullpen. I think he finished out with like a two something year array. So I think the same thing happens to Story. He comes in, produces. It's a nice contact bat in our lineup. Fills that hole at shortstop. And he just – I think he has a bounce back here. At least that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, I initially was thinking that Trevor Story would be a great add. And it, if you don't think too much about it, I think it's a perfect fit. But I was kind of looking into it more, and I'm thinking he's played his whole career with the Rockies. You got to think that the the ballpark factor in Colorado is real. That's mm-hmm. going to inflate batting numbers. So I took a little deeper dive into it. Okay. And Trevor Story for his whole career, like I said, he's played his whole career with the Rockies. At home, his batting average is three hundred three, and his OPS is nine seventy two. Okay. So that's that's pretty good, obviously. But his way. He is hitting 241. Oof. And his OPS is 792. So, do you think that changes your opinion at all? Maybe uh, changing scenery might help? Or I, do you think that those struggles playing in a different ballpark besides Denver is going to maybe fall into whatever team he goes to? I don't think so. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of you, whenever you're on a team, like, it's kind of like the look good, feel, like look good, play good type thing. When you're on a team that's being successful and it's being competitive, you're going to up your plane. You're just going to play at the higher level. Like that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. That's the way I guess your human nature is for some people. And I think if he comes in and is able to – and I think the change of scenery is just going to be huge for him because I saw it with Clay Holmes, and I think I could see that too with Trevor Story. So with those numbers, I really doesn't change my opinion at all just because I think he can have a big year in New York. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. I could see that maybe happening. Um, if you're paying a guy a lot of money, that's obviously a big risk to take. So I don't know if I would do it if I was the Yankees personally, but at the same time, I don't know if they have much to lose. They're in win-now mode. Not so. really. We are in win-now mode. We don't have a lot to lose. I mean, our bullpen is solid. Um, I mean, I think we have probably one of the most put-together bullpens in the in the majors. I mean, I may just be mm-hmm. being biased because it's my team. <laughs> but, I mean – Prospect wise, you got Albert Abreu, who's been a huge bullpen arm. I mean, he was great early on. I think he he had a few starts early on in the year, 
did great. I, he went on like a five start, five it was either four star or five star streak to where he didn't allow run, and we put him in a long. He put it. We put him in our bullpen, um, and I think he's going to be great going down the line. We got Lu, uh, Luis Siega, lights out. I think he's the next cl- great closer of the Yankees. I think the Yankees get rid of Chapman possibly at the deadline and move him up to that role. I can Ooh, definitely see that happening. That's a little bit of a hot take. It is. And, you know, I, I love Chapman. I think he's been great for the Yankees. Um, but I think – I don't think we'll get to be able to get a huge package for him, but I can definitely see the Yankees moving Chapman at the deadline. Be able to, I mean, when you got Chad Green, Clay Holmes, Wandy, who had a great year last year with us, and you, and with those, all those guys, I think if you can afford – yeah, Lukey. I think you could afford. Yeah. I think you can afford to lose a guy like Chapman, honestly. Yeah. And oh, so yeah. Um, I could see that happening. Whether we bring in, I don't know, something. Uh, maybe I don't know. It just kind of depends where the Yankees are at that point. Whether we need a bat, whether we need a uh, starting rotation arm, I think we can probably get something for Chapman uh, with a team mm-hmm. that's in need of a closer. Um, we also got great depth. I think at pitching. I mean, we have uh, Clark Schmidt who's been a big arm. He's been hurt. I, I want to say he was hurt last year. Um, you know, there's there's just a lot of promise with this team. There's a lot of good prospects that can be coming up and helping this ball club out. Um, yeah, I think so too. I mean, just some of the names you mentioned, like Clark Schmidt. I mean, he's been talked about as a top prospect for years now, and mm-hmm. he, he just hasn't reached the big league level yet. I think he pitched two games for the Yankees last year, so obviously there's not much – conclusion to draw from just those two games but he's at least one name to be excited about for sure um, and then you got jason dominguez the martian who's been compared to mickey mantle uh bo jackson who are very very high praises um he's not we're not going to see him in the pros anytime soon that's for sure but i think he's definitely someone to keep an eye on throughout the throughout his season yeah i mean he's been discussed as a top prospect for ever since his name got brought up by the Yankees. I mean, he's 17th right now, ranked on MLB.com, top prospects, but I think a lot of people would even put him higher than that. He looks like a five-tool guy that, like you said, is like Mickey Mantle, Bo Jackson type. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when he comes up. It might not be till 23 or 24, but he's definitely another guy to look out for. Um, I want to go back to maybe the Trevor Story thing. Um, if the Yankees don't end up getting him, I want to throw another name out there for you and see what you think. Please don't say it. I I, I don't know. I might say it here. <laughs> Carlos Correa. I knew it. I knew you were well, going to go there. Well, what, what would you think about Correa potentially being a Yankee? <sighs> you know, I'm, this is a very, very torn question. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Correa. I've never, I, I don't think he's worth the money. I don't think he's worth the money that he's asked for. Has he mm. been a great shortstop in Houston? Yes. Um, can he produce? Yes. But the, and he even, uh, recently, I believe changed agencies and he's with, uh, Boris now. So he's yep. definitely going to be chasing the bag. And to mm. be honest with you, I just don't think he's worth that all that money. I don't, I don't, I think he's, he's a good shortstop, but for the money he's asking, I think Houston even saw it, and that's the reason why they didn't bring him back, is because they're like, "All right, dude, you're asking for way more than what you, what you're probably your value is, and you're not nearly that type of caliber player." 
But if we, I mean, if the Yankees were able to get bring him in, as much as it kills me to say, and have him in pinstripes, if the Yankees were able to bring him on a very, a very friendly deal, less than what he would be asking for, well, probably substantially less than what he would be asking for. Um, I'd be open to the idea. If you can come in, produce, be that shortstop, that produ- that productive bat, you're probably going to be my new A Rod, and I'm probably not going <laughs> to like you that much. But you know what? You're a Yankee. I gotta have somewhat love for you. If he comes in, is able to produce, I'd be all I'd be open to the idea. Okay, yeah, I, I was really curious what your opinion would be on that because I know he's a controversial name, but I mean, he's probably undisputed the top free agent name that's still out there and obviously the Yankees are going to have plenty of money to spend no matter what so mm-hmm. even okay. if they do overspend on him I mean they could just go out there and get him and just it's either going to be a great option or not work out so well but either way I think the Yankees are going to be okay at least financially I'm telling you that that was a very very tough thing for me to say because I do not care for that man that much <laughs> yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of him either, especially with all the history stuff with the Astros that's gone on. Exactly. Obviously, him being a big part of that. Not the biggest fan of him, but he's definitely not coming to the Royals, so I don't have to worry about that at all. I can go hate him on whatever team he goes to. <laughs> I so, love that. <laughs> yeah. So, another thing I want to go back to, you were talking about maybe re-signing Rizzo, um, which I think wouldn't be a terrible move, but... You also mentioned Luke Voigt. So what, what do you think is the answer there? Do Should they sign Rizzo and keep Voigt on the bench? Should they not waste the money on Rizzo and bring Voigt back to the starting lineup full time? Well, what do you think is the best option for that? For me and the way I would like the Yankees to change their style of baseball, um, I'm okay with either trading Luke Voigt and getting something out of him because I think he still has a lot of – I think he still has a high ceiling. I think mm-hmm. he still have a lot of baseball, and I'm not denying his bat. He, that dude has a ton of power. I mean, every time he goes up to the plate, you know he can put one out of the ballpark. Same, but I can say the same thing about Gallo. I can say, say the same thing about Stanton. I can say the same thing about Judge. Those are three power bats alone right there to where having Voight in that lineup, that's probably one too many for my liking, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I really like Vo- Rizzo to come in. And like I said, be that contact guy to where DJ gets on, he hits him over, does something productive to give us a shot to score a run. So if that means letting go of Voight and trading him for something, that's probably what my first option would be. Um, if not, then great. We have another platoon DH we can put in there to give guys an off day. Um, you know, it's just another bat we can have. And so if that works out that way, then I'm okay with it. If not, I would say we probably the best thing it would be to get rid of him and just see what we can get for him. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be a good way to approach it for sure. Um, just looking at their lineup from last year, another guy I want to discuss, even though he's not on the team right now, he's a free agent, is Brett Gardner. Uh, I just mm. want to know what your thoughts are about potentially bringing him back, and if they don't bring him back, what do you think the answer is for the Yankees in center field? Gardner's my boy. That uh, – He's been a, he's been with the Yankees ever since I was a kid, and mm-hmm. uh, he was a homegrown boy, you know. And I, I really applaud his work ethic and his whole journey to getting where he is today. Um, you know, maybe that's something else the Yankees need to discuss because as of right now, I think I mean we have Aaron Hicks coming up back off of injury. Then again, he hasn't had the best record at the plate as of late. Uh, his last season, he hit I believe it was like one ninety four, 
then he got hurt. Yeah. Um, is he? He's a great defensive guy out there. That dude had a cannon for an arm. Can cover a lot of ground. Um, but then again, I mean, I, I mean, I can say the same thing about. I mean, I can't say the same thing about Sanchez because that guy can't hit the broadside of a barn or catch. <laughs> so that's that's also a position I would probably say I would love to change, but will it? Probably not. Um, yeah. But at, as of right now, Aaron Hicks would be the option. Um, he does get on base, and if I, we're going to take this type of contact mentality and getting guys over, I'm going to take the Billy Bean approach and say keep him in the lineup because if he gets on base, we'll probably he'll probably end up scoring. So yeah, the answer right true. now would be Aaron Hicks. Um, I, I, it's, it's very hard for me to see Gardner come back, um, just given the way the Yankees like Yankees outfield shaping up right now. And what everything how everything else is shaping out. I don't see him coming back. If he were, then he would be in the same role as he was last year, to where if something happens, he's the guy to go in there. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm definitely open to a return just because he's my boy. I love the guy. Um, he's a homegrown Yankee. I can't deny. I can't not love homegrown Yankees. Yeah, 100. percent I mean, I think if I was the Yankees GM. I would probably personally let him go just because he is going to be heading into a 38 age mm-hmm. season. He hit 222 last year. Obviously, he's got a good value defensively. I mean, we've seen what his glove can do. Oh, absolutely. In Yankee Stadium. But I would say, I don't know what the center field market's looking like in free agency, but I think if they don't go out and get anybody, that Aaron Hicks would probably fill in perfectly fine. I mean, you're probably getting out of him just the same thing you would out of Gardner, maybe not even better at this point. So, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with everything you said there. I mean, the free, uh, I mean, the alpha market. I mean, you got Cassianos out there, you got Chris Bryan out there. Um, I don't. I mean, there's some there's some options out there that you can definitely go and get. Yeah, and those but, two guys, I don't know if they would really fill in center field. Exactly, that's I mean, what I'm Bryant saying. I don't, they could, they, they yeah. really wouldn't. Um, yeah, I wouldn't really. I mean, you would at that point be looking at Judge having to play center field like he did in college, which I don't see that happening. So <laughs> yeah, I really I don't, don't see that either. happening. I mean, I think a couple of games this year we had uh, Judge in center, Gallo in left, and I think Stanton was in right, or it was, switch, it was flip-flopped. But, I mean, if – we would have to have three giants out there during the game. And I don't think that the Yankees want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was looking at their lineup and I kind of thought about that. Cause I was thinking they let Gardner go. And if they resign Rizzo, they could DH Voight. And it's like, yeah, but that's going to be a tough defensive outfield with Gallo judge and Stanton. Exactly. Know. Like you don't really have that guy to put out there in the center to be able to roam the, roam the outfield like Hicks or a Gardner would be able to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's that's a lot more important than I think some people put out there. So that also brings up another name I kind of want to discuss because we haven't really touched on him yet is Joey Gallo. Um, obviously, you guys got him from the Rangers. He was a top prospect at one point. I mean, obviously, he was an all-star last year. But the thing about him, he hits 199, leads the league in strikeouts with 213. Yep. Which is an astronomical number. But he, the crazy thing to me is he also led the league in walks. He had 111 walks, which somehow makes it to where his batting average is 199, but his on-base percentage was 351. So with you being a Yankees fan, what, what do you see with Gallo? What, what are your thoughts on him? And 
how do you think he performs moving forward? He's kind of a curious case. Yeah, um, with Gallo, it is very interesting only because of, you know, the upside that he can have. You know he can go out there and hit that long ball. You know he provides that presence out uh, in the outfield to where he can go and do whatever you need him to do in the outfield. He has a gold glove gold glove out there, a high caliber arm. Um, I think – I think it's just. I think it just took. I think it's just to take him time to adapt to Yankee to Yankee Stadium, because mm-hmm. I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if his home run numbers went up this next season with a full season in Yankee Stadium, because that dude's launch that dude's launch angle is insane. <laughs> he's one of the best power hitters in the league. There's no doubt about that. His his launch angle is insane. So if he's able to get underneath the ball in Yankee Stadium, there's been a few. He had a few last year that ended up going foul, to where. Um, it was like that ball could have easily gone out. It went up in like the third deck. So um, I can see his numbers going up a little bit next year. I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping he figures it out at the plate. Um, other than that, I mean, he's a solid outfielder. So I have very mixed emotions about Gallo because I don't know what I'm going to get from him. Um, I'm, like I said, I can only be hopeful in this lineup, to be honest with you. There's a lot of, a lot of hope I need to have in this lineup for it to be successful. A lot of dudes striking out a lot, which that's the last result you want because no matter what, when you're striking out, you're not putting the ball in play. And when you're not putting the ball in play, you're not letting any chance to get on base or let runners move. Exactly. So. Exactly. And I'm telling you, that's probably, that was one of the most painful things as a Yankee fan to, as a Yankee fan to see throughout the whole entire year was having runners stranded on base, the most upsetting thing mm-hmm. in the world. So, yeah, hopefully they can maybe figure it out. I mean, I think they've got the talent, too. So, we'll see what happens with the Yankees. Hal, if you're listening to this, take my advice and let's make this a brand-new Yankee team, huh? Yeah, if you need me to, I'm available. Uh, (laughs) Just give me a call and we can talk Yankee baseball anytime you want to. (laughs) Well, there you go. There's the offer right there. Hopefully we hear from him because I I think you might be able to help him out a little bit. (laughs) I mean, I can hope so. But at the end of the day, they they got one of the most – the most talented rosters in baseball. So I, I see him being a playoff team, obviously, again, and we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm hoping, like I said, I'm only, I can only be hopeful in my Yankees. You know, they've given me so much heartbreak over the years, uh, year in and year out. I'm just hopeful that we can turn it around and give me something to share about. Yeah, well, they, they've won so many World Series in the past. I don't have any hurt feeling seeing them not win any recently, but hey, <laughs> I'll give you a little bit of grace as a Yankees fan. They, right. they have had their struggles recently, and they've had all the talent in the world for some reason. They just haven't been able to put it together. So, I 100% agree. Uh, maybe I'll let you guys have another World Series in a couple <laughs> of years. Oh, man. All right, bo- all right, y'all. Before we jump into our last two teams here, I have a quick ad. Will Smith is coming out with a book. Um yeah, one of the one of the most dynamic and globally recognized entertainment folks, uh, forces of our time, opened up fully about his life in a brave and inspiring book that traces his learning curve to a place where outer uh, outer success, inner happiness, and human connection are all aligned. Along the way, Will tells a story in full of one of the most amazing rides through the worlds of music and film that anyone has ever had. Will Smith's transformation from a fearful, a fearful child in a tense West Philadelphia home 
to one of the biggest rap stars of his era, and then one of the biggest movie stars in Hollywood history. And we'll have a string of box office successes that will likely never be broken. And an epic tale of inner transformation and outer triumph, and Will tells it astronomically well, but it's only half of the story. This memoir is the product of a profound journey of self-knowledge and rec- and a reckoning with all of your will. Uh, all, all of your will can get you that it leaves you. It can leave you behind. Written with the help of Mark Manson, author of our multi-million copy be- uh, bestseller, the subtitle "Art of Not Giving a F." <laughs> Will is, the, Will is the story of how one person mastered his own emotions, written in a way that can help everyone else do the same. Few of us will know the pressure of performing on the world's biggest stage for the highest stakes. But we can all understand that the, that the fuel that works for one stage of our journey might have to be changed if we want to make, make it all the way home. The combination of genuine wisdom of universal value and a life story that is that is the proposed. Oops. You good? Keep going. <laughs> Proposedly entertaining, even astonishing, puts Will Will the book like its author in a category by itself. I'll tell I you what. Am. I'm a big Will Smith fan. I love. I am too. I I love French Prince. I love Bad Boys. I'm a big, big Will Smith, big Will Smith fan. So I could probably read. I, that might be a book I might actually read. I'm not a big reader, but hey, I might give it a whirl. Why not? I might have to pick it up too. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a Will Smith movie I didn't like. Yeah, that's facts. He definitely <laughs> had his name in the news recently for a lot of reasons. But uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see about him, and maybe it's a book I'll read. Who knows? So let's get into it for the Red Sox here. Um, they were 92 and 70 last year. Obviously they made the playoffs and they ended up losing to the Astros and the ALCS. So, uh, I don't know. It's hard to say about the Red Sox here. I think they've got a top of the line batting order, but at the end of the day, they just need to improve on their pitching, both in the starting rotation and the bullpen. And if you look at what's happened in free agency so far, Obviously, they lost Eduardo Rodriguez to the Tigers, which is a big loss for their starting rotation. But if you look at who they've signed, they've made a couple of moves to maybe bolster that starting rotation. They signed James Paxton from the Mariners, which is kind of a question mark because he's coming off of Tommy John surgery. Oh, yeah. So we don't really know what they're going to get from him. But if he's anything like he was before he got Tommy John, I think that could be a little bit of a sleeper signing. Um, you look at two other guys they've signed. They signed Michael Walker from Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a little bit of a down year for the Rays, but he could be a bounce-back candidate. Obviously, we've seen what he did in St. Louis. Yeah. He's obviously talented, so he's another good arm to add to that rotation. And then last but not least, they also signed Rich Hill from the Mets. That dude's so crafty. Which it's it's crazy watching him pitch because – Obviously, he's been in the big leagues for a long time, and he was never like a name that stood out. And then he comes back from indie ball, and he's just like a completely different dude. Yeah. And he, whatever it is, he's just got it. And he's confident out there at 
41, almost 42 years old now. And who, who knows what he's going to add for the Red Sox. And this could be the year that he falls off. Obviously, he's pretty old, but he's a good guy to at least keep a flyer on. He's still got plenty of talent. So what, what do you think about those signings for the rotation here? I, th- I thought they were good. You know, like I said, Rich Hill is very crafty. Um, and he does it at the age of almost 42. Um, yeah. He had a 386 last year, pitched 158 innings. You know, I, I love watching him pitch. You know, anytime he's on, anytime I'm scrolling through the, the TV and I'm looking for a game to watch and he's on the mound, I loved watching him pitch just because from the left handed, I'm a left handed pitcher as well. And just being able to see the, the movement, you know, and all the just little crafty things he does to get guys out, it was, it's really fun to watch. And like you said, I, th- I think Michael Walker could have a, a bounce back year. Um, he had a good first half last year, ended out with a five ERA. Um, you also got Chris Sale coming back. You know, you got a full That's Chris true. Sale. You got a Valdi who, who stepped up in that ace role last year. And like you said, if if Paxton is able to be the guy that he can be and the potential, if he lives up to that potential, that's going to be a solid rotation because then you'll have a Valdi Sale. Uh, Paxton, Rich Hill, Michael Walker, and then uh, like those, just those guys alone are that'd be a really, really solid lineup. Um, one that's thing, a star-studded rotation. Oh, 100%. That, that, that's kind of scary. That's night and day from what their starting rotation was last year. But the one thing that I was really surprised with this offseason was that they traded Hunter Renfro. That was the one move of the offseason that I was very surprised and kind of taken back. From when they agree. when they went and got Jackie Bradley Jr., um, to me that trade really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I liked Renfro. I liked what he provided for the Red Sox. Um, I mean, you traded for a guy that batted one sixty three last year. Given he did have great years with the Red Sox, I just don't see him stepping in and being that same Jackie Bradley Jr. that they lost, that they once had. I think that's what they're betting on from this move because you're looking at it and I think that's the only way it really makes sense for him because, like you said, Hunter Renfro didn't really look too bad for him. Obviously, he's not an all-star type player, but he was solid. He hit two fifty nine last year. I mean, he's not a liability defensively, I would say. Obviously, defensive is his strength. But Yeah, exactly. You look at what Jackie Bradley Jr. did with the Brewers last year, and you're like, this this dude fell off a cliff fast. Yeah, it, 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 then, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. And, I mean, as, I, as a baseball fan, I was just like, okay, well, I mean, during the offseason, you're supposed to help your lineup grow. To me, I thought they took a step back. Um, you know, I don't know if they plan – um, to go get a guy that's that's out there right now and go get Suzuki, the, mm, the guy coming yeah. in from Japan. I think if they go to get him, I think he would be great in the Red Sox lineup. I think he steps in and fills that role at center field, and you can use Bradley as a platoon guy um, in the outfield whenever someone needs a break. Um, I mean, you got Duran, who's insanely fast, and yeah. then you obviously have uh, Verdugo out there right. So um, I'm hoping that the that the Red Sox go out and do something in the outfield because to me I don't see this happening. Maybe even go get a Kentil Marte from Arizona. Um, Ooh, you could play a little yeah. bit of outfield and infield, um, and as a solid bat, um, that would that wouldn't be a bad gift for him either. Um, so I'm hoping that the that the Red I keep wanting to say the Yankees because we just talked about them. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that the Red Sox go out and go get another bat to fill this lineup 
because, like I said, Jackie Bradley Jr. I don't believe is the answer. No, and like I said, they got to be betting on him returning to Boston That's- form. Which I mean, if that happens, that would be awesome because I'm I'm not a Red Sox fan by any means, but. Watching Jackie Bradley Jr. play in the outfield in Fenway was something special. Exactly. It was really exciting. Like I said, if you're if that's what you're banking on, cool. Great. Then put all your chips in one basket and let's let's see how it rolls. But I don't know. I'm very optimistic about that. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, they might need to go out and get a piece to add to this lineup. One one name I had in mind, we mentioned earlier, if they can lure him away from Atlanta, I think Freddie Freeman would be a really good fit with this Red Sox team. Because Bobby Dalbeck, obviously he was a big name coming up from the minor leagues, but we haven't really seen too much from him yet. So, Freddie Freeman, man, I think he would be a perfect fit for the Red Sox. What do you think? I think so, too. I think I can see Freddie in this lineup. Um, Am I a guy guy that's wanting to give up on Dalbeck if I'm the Red Sox? Probably not yet. But I can definitely, I can definitely go see them going out and get Freddie because Freddie can fit in this lineup. You know, you got you got Kike, who's a solid contact. You got Devers, you got Bogarts, you got JD, you got Verdugo. If you can add in a guy like Freddie Freeman in that lineup, like I was talking about with the Yankees, dude, that guy that it's a it's a first baseman that not only gives you power, but he can also give you that contact back as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's able to drive guys in, and this is a team that gets on base. You know. Um, there's one through five have n- nothing below a 300 on base percentage. So if you can get guys on base and you have a guy that can drive in guys like Freddie Freeman can, I mean, he's the MVP. Uh, he's an MVP candidate every year for the, for a reason. Then yeah. why not go get him? I, I, I can definitely see the Red Sox make that move and going to go get a guy like Freddie Freeman to fit in this lineup. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't get him, I mean, I think this lineup would be just fine. Like I said, I think, the Red Sox have one of the best lineups in baseball. So um, pitching-wise, like I said earlier, maybe is could have some work. Obviously, they signed Paxton, Walker, and Hill like we mentioned, but maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe add a little bit more. So I had two names in mind for him. Um, Kenley Jansen was one. Obviously, we mentioned him earlier. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've already discussed <clears throat> him. I think he'd be a perfect fit in the bullpen. Yeah. One other guy I had in mind potentially for them to get, Carlos Rodon. I could see that as well. What, what would you think about him joining the Red Sox? <laughs> I mean, uh, already with a, I mean, like we just discussed, if this if this rotation can pitch to their potential that we that we think they can, add in a guy like Rendon who had a really solid, again had a very solid, I think had a very solid year last year. Um, that'd be a big add. I think he adds a, a, that presence on the mound that uh, allows another arm to come in, give you quality innings, and be able to help this team grow as a rotation and just a team in general. Um, I would like Jansen. I think if you're, with, like I said, if you're able to get this rotation to their peak performance, you're definitely going to need a guy on the back end of that bullpen to come in and close games out. Matt Barnes was that guy for them, I think, in the COVID year. I want to say he had a good year during the COVID year. Um, um Yeah, I don't think he was terrible. He he was oh, an all-star nope, okay. last year. Okay, yeah, let me see here. Hey, yeah, he wasn't bad. Okay, I might be thinking of someone else. But a, a, either way, he had a 3-7 last year. Um, but, I mean, if you bring in a guy like Jansen, like I said, to sure up that back end of the rotation, make sure you bridge that gap. 
and be able to close games out, I think it'll be a great ad. Yeah, I think that's <clears throat> probably the number one thing they need to work on at this point, especially since they add those three rotational pieces. Because you look at this Red Sox bullpen right now, and I don't even know if they have anybody that great besides Matt Barnes. So any bullpen help would work for the Red Sox. Like I said, Jansen would probably be a big fit, but or even know, maybe, maybe. A, or even maybe a Colin McHugh. McCollum McHugh could be a guy that you could bring in yeah, here as well. That is true. That would be a good name to add. So it'll be interesting to see if they add anything. If they don't, I think they're still in a great spot. Um, the bullpen might be the only thing to work on, but who knows? Relief leaders are a dime, a dime a dozen, it seems like. So yeah, very true. Uh, that could probably be the best weakness you could have as a team, maybe, because it might figure itself out. Maybe sign, sending random guys up from the minors. Exactly. I, don't know. I mean, like, like you said, like you could. It's kind of just a plug, a plug and play type thing. It's like if you you bring a guy up, or even you could sign a dude. You know, you could sign a guy off free agency. You just want to take a gamble on. You sign him to a minor league deal, and mm-hmm. that guy could be the best. I mean, you see it every year. You see a guy that just comes out of nowhere and has such a big year for their club. Maybe becomes an all star or is a reliever of the year, or just guys come out of nowhere. You know what I mean? So that's definitely a possibility if you just plug in and play someone you sign off free agency, maybe a low end guy um, with not like not that high. I don't want to say not too high, I promise, because they're major leakers, but you know, like that mid tier guy um, that you want to take a chance on, that's definitely something you can do as well. Mm-hmm. So, kind of looking at their farm system here, I think I had one big name in mind to kind of talk about on my end. Um, Tristan Cassis, he's a first baseman. He's the 18th ranked prospect in, on MOB.com, so he's pretty high up there. He hit 284 and had a 395 on base percentage in AA last year with 13 homers. Okay. Um, anything that I've heard from him, he's a plus fielder. He has a great arm as a former pitcher, which is a great skill to have at first base. It's just a plus skill to have. Um, things people don't really think about having a great arm at first base, but if you have one, that's even better. Exactly. So if they don't go out and get a guy like Freddie Freeman, um, I could see him maybe competing for that first base job with Dalbeck. I could see that as well. Um, you know, I think that's a lot of promise. I mean, like you said, anytime you get a guy that can come in and produce at that first base position, that's always a huge plus. For me, it's it's for me with Jackie Bradley Jr. in that whole situation – it's filling that void out in center field. And you have a guy already in, in-house that can play center field with Kike Hernandez. So yeah. a prospect for me that I want to keep an eye on, last year he had a, he had a down year. He batted 190 last year. Um, if he could turn it around and show the, show the Red Sox that he can play at the AAA level and start turning around and get that back going, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jeter Downs up at the Red Sox, up with the Red Sox by the year's end. If he, hits oh, the, if, if he hits the cover off the ball, that solves your issue with center field. You move Kike out to center, that solves that problem, and then you bring Jeter Downs to play second base. That can solve a lot of problems for the Red Sox, only if they can get it to work. I want to say he's their number four prospect right now. And if he can come in, he has a lot of pop. He can make some great contact. Um, he's, I'm pretty, he's pretty fast. So I think it can be a huge add for – the Red Sox, if we, if they can make it happen. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a guy that I think you should look out for. He kind of had a down year last year in the minors. He hit only 190 in AAA, but 
I mean, he's still young. He's still 23, so he's got some time to figure it out. So maybe he'll come out and have a good start to the year in the minor leagues and maybe have a spot on the team for the Red Sox. He's definitely an athletic guy. So we'll see what happens. It's it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you know this or not, but he's actually named after Derek Jeter. Oh, wow. So him, him playing for the Red Sox, that's right. kind of interesting. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> but – yeah, yeah, we'll have to see what happens with him. So, last team we'll talk about here is the Rays. But before we do that, I want to talk about Nutrisystem. Nutrisystem will help you transform your life inside and out with a personalized weight management experience that's effective, simple to follow, and made just for you. Nutrisystem is a leader in the weight loss industry, having helped millions of people lose weight for nearly 50 years. Nutrisystem offers safe, effective, and scientifically backed weight loss plans with a distinguished science advisory board and strong clinical studies. All plans include comprehensive support and coaching options from trained weight loss coaches, registered dietitians, and certified diabetes educators available seven days a week from an award-winning contact center. Nutrisystem is committed to continually elevating the nutritional quality, taste, and overall appeal of its food through innovation and its food nutrition mission, an ongoing effort to make its foods fresher, labels cleaner, and approach to ingredients more transparent. Sign up today at Nutrisystem.com with deals for men and women on the chef choices starting at $10.21 a day, including free at-home delivery. So there you go. If you want to find a way to get fit, coming up, well, summer's coming up soon, so Nutrisystem might be the way to go. Get right. I need to get right. I need to get that little uh, my little swimmer's body back uh, back in shape. I need to I need to get everything in peak shape for summer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what they say that summer bodies are built in the winter. So, oh, fair enough. Then that, in that case, I'm that, solid. <laughs> now is a better time than ever to get it going. <laughs> I got my nice little cake belly going. We're all set. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> If if you were in Wichita, we could be gym buddies, but yeah, fair you're, enough. I mean, you're far away. Yeah, but. I'm a, I'm a, just a tad bit, just a little far yeah. away. That's why we're lucky enough to be able to broadcast this podcast on Zencaster and we're thousands of miles away from each other. But hey, we're we're still getting this yeah, going. We're still making this happen, baby. <laughs> yep. So we'll, we'll talk about the Rays here. What do you got on the Rays? With the Rays, um. They're, for me, the big loss right now is just Tyler Glass. Now, you know that's that's such a big plus arm in anyone's rotation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of his injury his injury came after the whole six, sticky substance thing, and um, that whole thing entirely. I guess a was losing his grip on the ball, and he wasn't able to hold it properly. Um, but you know, that's that for me, that's a big loss, you know, cause he provides such a presence in that rotation. He's your ace, he's your workhorse. Um, you know, that's for me, that's a big loss. Um, they did sign Corey Kluber who I thought was a good signing for him. Um, he was, yeah, I was curious he, what your thoughts were on that since he's come from the Yankees. Yeah. It seemed like a good ad in my opinion. No, I a hundred percent agree with you. I thought it was a great ad for him. I mean, he got, he got hurt after his no hitter that he had in Texas. And I wish he – honestly, I wish he would have stayed with the Yankees. Um, I think he was a good, great fit in that rotation because he's a guy that's going to give you innings. He, he's coming out he, – he had a great bounce-back season. Um, he did what he needed to in getting a new contract because 
he went out and proved to teams he's still able to do the same things he was able to do. Does he have the velocity like he used to? Probably not. But he's still able to work with what he has and get guys out. And that's the biggest thing in the sport is getting guys out. You know, you got yeah. Yarbrough in there who's a, who's a little crafty lefty. Um, he, maybe he has a bounce back here. But having a guy like Corey Kluber in there that provides this – presence in the rotation to help maybe even help uh what's his name uh patino uh, patino the rookie that they had last Luis year patino, yeah. yeah patino helping him out that's a young kid maybe he'll look up to kluber go pick his brain a little bit i mean kluber's been in the league for so long he has so much knowledge i would take advantage of that 100 if i was Luis. um their lineup is for me i hated playing the race because i i think their lineup is probably one of the tops in for me, it's it's one of the tops in the league. I mean, you got Brandon Lau who can who can is a great leadoff guy. He grinds out at bats. He works the count, and then he'll find a way on. Um, you got Wander Franco, the rookie sensation last year. Uh, Austin Meadows, uh, Ruzarena, who came on during the World Series. Um, playoff he, legend. Exactly, playoff legend. <laughs> um, they got a great lineup. I think they. I think this team's built for success. Um, I think for me, the one piece that I do feel like they are missing is another arm in that rotation. Hmm. So I actually have them trading. I actually have a couple of names down that I can actually go see. I can see them going to trade for. Okay. I, have, I have Sean Manaya from the Oakland A's. Ooh, I have Sonny Gray. Oh, yeah. Definitely Son- familiar with him. I have Sonny Gray from the Reds. And I also have yeah. Michael Fulmer from the Tigers. Those are three okay. names I kind of have down. I couldn't narrow it down to one. Um, I just kind of put them all out there because I think I think Manai is in a place with the A's to where he's in that position kind of similar to where everyone was at with the A's. You know, Cespedes ended up getting traded for some prospects to help grow the team. Donaldson did the same thing. I think it's time for Manaya to get out of there and um, – Get a new new change of scenery, and I think Tampa Bay is that place for him. I think the Tampa Bay has have the prospects to go and make that deal happen. They have a lot of really good prospects to where they can go get any three any three of these guys. It's just a matter of who I think they want in that presence. Um, Michael Fulmer's had that presence of being an ace before in Detroit because he was pretty much the only piece that Detroit actually had. Um, <laughs> yeah, so and I mean he even got frustrated with being in Detroit. So I think with him. Going to a team like the Rays can only benefit him, but I definitely see them trading for a veteran presence in that rotation until mm. Glasnow gets back. To where, when Glasnow comes back, Glasnow plugs in, and now you got a you got a solid one-two right there at the top of the rotation to help you still compete. There you go. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I mean, another name that we haven't even talked about in that starting rotation for Tampa Bay—he was a rookie last year, Shane McClanahan. Um, McClanahan, yeah. I, I think he's a fun guy to watch out of, out of the uh, rotation for Tampa Bay. I mean, he runs his fastball up 99 to 100. I mean, anybody that runs their fastball up that fast is a joy to watch. But I think the most impressive thing about him is that even though he has that big fastball, he still keeps it under control and he limits mm-hmm. his walks. I mean, you look, he threw 123 innings last year over 25 starts, and he only had 37 walks. Yeah, which that's, is that's great, very great. impressive. So I, I think he's a kind of a sleeper going forward. I, I haven't heard too many people talk about him, but he's definitely somebody that jumped off the page for me last year for the Rays. So 
he's a piece looking forward for that rotation that can definitely help him. I think. No, absolutely. I mean, even still, I mean, you got that. You have that prospect. You have a prospect too with the Rays organization. This is where I, this is where I talk about with them having so much depth in that prospect organization to where you have even have a guy like Shane Bass who can help mm-hmm. the who can help the the team now. I mean, he had uh, yeah. he had a couple starts, I believe, last year. Was very successful. In AAA, he had 46 innings, had a 1.76, has been successful pretty much everywhere he's been throughout his career. I mean, the kid's 22, and I think I th- I'm with with the rookies that they have, this team has the foundation to be very successful. The because that's one thing every team kind of I think feels like they where a team struggles is filling out that rotation, finding the right guys to put there. But mm-hmm. when you got a guy like McClanahan, you got a guy like uh, Patino and you got a guy like Baz. Those are three young arms who can who have high caliber stuff, and that could be a solid a future one, two, three in your organization. And you still got class now. That's a four. If you were yeah. to go trade for, like I said, one of these arms, that gives you a solid five. Banking that's on the true. fact that they have great years, you know what I mean? Like that could be mm-hmm. very, very scary, and that's a lot of, and that's one thing a lot of teams struggle to put together is that solid five rotation. Because it's very yep. rare that you have all five. You may have one or two, but if you have all five, you're built for success. And maybe another name to look out for, maybe that we haven't discussed yet. It's kind of hard to say what's going to happen with him, but Chris Archer. I mean. Obviously, he's a free agent. He may or may not come back to Tampa Bay, but I don't think he did too bad last year. Obviously, he only pitched in six games, started five, um, had a four six six ERA. But if you look at what he's accomplished in his career before that, besides maybe the little rough patch he had with the Pirates, yeah. I mean, he was lights out with Tampa Bay before that. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they re-sign him, and if not um, – if he goes to a different team that's in need of starting pitching, I think maybe he could be another bounce back candidate that we could kind of look for this year. I could see that happening. Um, I think he did enough last year to get a contract with a team that's in need of a starter. I mean, even if you wanted to throw him onto Baltimore, that could be one of those guys that, yeah, that you plug in there for on a team friendly deal. You bring him in there for a year. If he does great, there you go. He boosts his stock. Now he can go maybe get another contract. Mm. Um, I could def, I, but for the Rays' perspective, I don't know if I see them doing that only because of the young talent that they have at starting at starting pitchers right now. Yeah, they might I don't, have a spot for him. Exactly. When you have that much young talent, I don't see there being a place for Chris Archer there. Um, if he's willing to come in again on a team friendly deal and maybe be a spot starter or or somewhere in there to where. Um, you're coming off an off day. You need a guy to fill in that role. Maybe he can be that guy. Um, I don't know, but I think with the Rays, I don't see Archer really having a place on this team that much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Maybe he's like you said, a guy that a team that's maybe not competing signs and hopes that he gets back to All Star form and flips about the trade deadline for a contender. Maybe yeah. we'll see it, but and it'll it- be interesting to see what happens with him. Because he's been one of my favorite pitchers to watch over the years, so and it doesn't necessarily doesn't even have to be a contender. It could just be a team that needs to fill out that four or five spot in the rotation. Like I said, it's very rare, very rare. I feel like to where you have a solid five altogether. Yeah, There's sometimes you have that four or five in that rotation to where like, hey, we get a great outing from them, great. 
we don't, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of what you expected, I guess you can say. So right. I feel like Chris Archer can sign with a team um, in need of a starter that he just fills a role. That's all he really needs to do is just fill a role, a four or five spot. I don't know if he's that top one, two, three rotational guy anymore. So I think he'll sign somewhere to where he can be a four or five and not have a have that as much pressure on him as he would being that top tier guy. Right. All right. So I think we've covered the pitching side of things for the Rays. Um, there's some things in their lineup I want to talk about. One thing that they did so far this offseason that I don't think I really heard anything about, but um, they traded their starting third baseman, Joey Wendell, to the Marlins. And they only got a prospect back for him, which who knows how that'll pan out. But they didn't really get anybody to fill in for him. So it'll kind of be interesting to see who fills in for that hole they have in their uh, infield now. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I was a big big fan of Joey Wendell. I I picked him up in fantasy. And, I mean, even in fantasy, he was a great – he was a great pickup because you could play him. You could literally play him anywhere. You played him a second. You could play him a short. You could play him a third. And yeah. you know he was a he was a contact guy. You know, and like, he was just a scrappy player. And you know, you knew what you were getting at a window, at a window. And I was really surprised when they traded him. They got a prospect out of him, but you know, maybe they're looking at um, Brandon Lowe, uh, Diaz, and uh, uh, Franco to all step up. I mean, I think that's what you bring a Franco for last year to get him suited and get him accustomed to that thing. So I think Brandon Law steps up, maybe plays second base, and Yandy comes up, plays third. So those are the guys that I see filling in those roles. Um, you know, and Joey Wendell, like, I mean, with Wendell, you know, that's that's a big utility guy that you're going to be missing. But, I mean, there's some, there's some guys that you have in your farm system. Like I said, with the depth that they have, they can easily refill that role as well. Yeah. And then another guy that they could be potentially losing, which may or may not be a big deal. He had a down year last year. Um, obviously, they got him at the deadline. Nelson Cruz, he was their DH. Um, he's going to go into the season 41, going to turn 42 during the season. Um, so it's hard to say if they're going to re-sign him or not. Honestly, I would probably say he doesn't just because the production dipped down a little bit when he did come to Tampa Bay. Um, obviously he's getting up there in age, so it will be interesting to see what they do to fill in that DH spot. I don't know. They've got four outfielders right now that are probably starting outfielders, but I don't know if any of those four guys go over and be DH talking about Meadows, Kiermaier, Margo, and Arosa Reina. Yeah. Um, so maybe somebody they can go after in free agency to fill that spot. I was thinking maybe Kyle Schwarber. I could see that, um, or, or maybe even a Casianos. I can see Casianos maybe taking a trip down, uh, taking a trip to Tampa. Um, he's a big tier bat, and I think that's something right now with losing Cruz. I think you're missing that presence kind of in the middle of the lineup as far as being that one guy to kind of pro- uh, to provide some comfort and cushion for uh, Wander Franco, and even mm-hmm. I mean even Meadows. I mean my Meadows had 27 bombs last year. So I mean, yeah, I'm not and, gonna lie. And, Casti- oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, Castellanos was probably the number one name that came to mind for me when trying to fill out that DH spot. But I just don't know if Tampa Bay would be willing to or have the money to spend to sign him. Yeah, and that's the only thing. I mean, I think Castellanos. You bring him in. I think he fills in that role perfectly at DH. 
mm-hmm. um, because, like I said, he provides that comfort and that cushion for our Rosarena Meadows and even Franco. I mean, I think Franco is going to provide. I mean, obviously, he's, he can provide pop. And yeah. um, I think if you bring in a guy like Meadows, he provides that cushion to where now you got to think about as a pitcher do I want to pitch? If I'm in a situation to where Zanino and Kilmeyer are both on, and I got that top of the order coming back on, I got no outs. It's like, all right, well, now I got to really pitch to these guys carefully. And I can make it hard on a pitcher to where you're throwing to a guy and you're like, crap, like I really would like to throw him a fastball here in this count. But given the situation, I got to rethink my approach because you got to know and have the presence of a Castellanos behind him or a Rosarena behind him. Like it, you pitch guys differently in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess Meadows is a name that maybe could fill that DH role now that I think about it. Um, looking at his stats, I think he had a little bit of a down year last year, but looking at his 2019 season, looking back at what he did, I mean, he he was pretty good. So maybe he can bounce back to that role. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a strength in the outfield fielding-wise, so he could maybe fill into that DH role pretty nicely mm-hmm. for him. But, no, I could absolutely see Schwarber going there as well. I think Schwarber will fill that presence really well as well. Um, I don't know. There's a lot to be said about the Rays situation there. Um, I don't know. It would be very interesting to see if they do go after either one of those guys because I think they are missing kind of that that heavy presence in that lineup. Yeah, for sure. Do you you see anybody in their farm system that catches your eye at all? Um. Other than Baz, I like Shane Baz a lot. I think he's going to have a big year this year once he gets out there. Um, Josh Lau, who's an outfielder for him. But mm-hmm. like I said, with that stacked outfielder already right now, it's it's going to be hard for him to find a job. Um, but he's a, he's a very notable prospect. I mean, he batted two ninety one um, last season in AAA. Um, had some pop. He had 22 bombs, 76 uh, 78 RBIs had 76 runs in 111 games. So I think he's a guy that if they want to get aggressive and move someone, they have, they have no trouble doing it because they can move a guy maybe like Josh Lau and go get someone, someone that needs an outfielder and needs maybe to get younger. And mm-hmm. um, But I could definitely I, – I see Josh Lau more as a trade piece than maybe a potential candidate in – um, the Rays outfield just because of how loaded the Rays outfield already is. Yeah, hundred percent. And talking about that Rays outfield, this is kind of random, but they also have Brett Phillips out there too, which I know he, he's not the biggest pop guy, but just the time that he had with the Royals and just his personality, he's just a name that stands out to me just because he's just such a fun guy to watch and on social media too because he's probably one of the best personalities in baseball interesting alrighty yeah, so, no, I, that's a guy that's a guy I'm not too familiar with so I can't really speak on him that much um, he was the guy in the World Series um, he hit that walk off and he did the airplane into the that's outfield. right okay yeah now now yeah. he rings a bell okay yeah gotcha cool. so yeah, I just want to throw out there. It's just an interesting name to you just, talk about you just, when you're talking about the Rays. Had to give them some love. You just had to talk about your roles a little bit today, didn't you? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I had to fit it in there somewhere. <laughs> so I guess looking at their farm system for me, there, there's one name that stood out a little bit, 
um, Xavier Edwards. Okay. So he, he's a second base prospect, 70th ranked on MLB for prospects in the whole MLB. Um, hit 302 in Double A last year in 79 games. Wow. Scouts also say he has 70 grade speed. Wow. So uh, he's a guy that could come in and rack up some stolen bases from you. Only had 19 last year in Double A, which isn't a crazy number, but at the same time, I feel like. A lot of guys aren't really stealing as often as they normally do. I agree. So obviously the speed is there. So maybe that's a name that could come up in the middle of the year if they're having a tough time filling in that last spot in the infield that Wendell left. Um, maybe you could see Xavier Edwards in that middle infield for the race. I mean, or even you just call him up to be that presence on the bases whenever you need to. It's for yeah. the for postseason especially because I think this team will make the postseason. Um I mean, if you bring him in and you bring him in as, I mean, I, I, uh, I could see him Tyler kind of as like a Tyler Wave last year to where he's mm-hmm. really, really fast and um, he just comes in and he's just not present. He can steal a back for you, get a guy on base. Maybe you have a guy like Wander Franco coming up next and you pitch run for Zanino and you got Kilmeyer and you got Lowe. You got that top of the order coming back up. You pitch run for Zanino, put him in there, steals a base. Now you're, now you're in. Now you're in a good position to do some do some work, so I could definitely yeah. see that with it, with his speed, I could definitely see him being called up and for providing some type of presence for the Rays. Mm-hmm. And that's just the type of player I like to see watch, honestly. And I think it's kind of slept on nowadays. It's just those guys that are super athletic and hit for contact. I mean, I think the base running in the big leagues is kind of something that people are working away from where I think it's something that needs to be embraced, a guy that can steal bases, just let him steal. If he can do it, get that extra base and see what can happen. I agree. I think I think it's a thing that's kind of getting away from the game as well um, because mm-hmm. I, you look at Gardner and his, uh, I, I speak on the Yankees because that's all, I, that's all I really love. So <laughs> um, you look at a guy like Brett Gardner. Early in his career, uh, they would always get him moving, get him going. I mean, Jacoby Ellsbury, same thing. Um even the Royals, when your Royals were uh, were in the postseason, they used uh, what was his name? Like, That's what they were built team. on, man. Draw uh, Dyson and Dyson. Gore. There you go. Yes, Dyson and Gore. Those dudes got on, and nothing but speed because they they provide. When you're on, when you were on the mound, you're like crap. I gotta try to hold this runner on. And when Dyson goes and steals second, and you got Hosmer up at the plate. Hosmer just needs to get a base knock, and that's scoring Dyson. There you go. The Royals are now up in the game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's it's just, such a game changer. It can because be. Absolutely. You think about it, they just need to get on base, and especially guys with plus speed like that. I mean, you would see Dyson just get on from maybe just a loop single mm-hmm. or a walk, or he just bunted himself on because of his speed, and you, you're not paying attention. He steals second, and then a pitch two later, he's on third. And yeah. that's that's like one of the most exciting things in baseball, in my opinion. I think that's just one of the things in baseball that's kind of getting away. Like, I mean, now we got a lot of technology. We got launching. We got all this. Like, I don't think the days of the hit and run, the bunny guy over, the hit behind a runner, um, all the things that like we were brought up doing, playing baseball, I think has kind of gone away from the game. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know why that is because I'm a big – I'm a big proponent of putting um, putting as much pressure on that defense as possible. 
If I'm yeah. if I uh, if I got a third baseman that I see that's struggling on a on a bunt down the line to field it and make a good throw, why not challenge him again? You know what I mean? If I got a catcher mm-hmm. behind the plate who maybe doesn't have the best pop time, why aren't I stealing the bag? Why aren't I putting the most pressure on him to make the plays that need to be made? You know what I mean? And I and yeah. I don't I don't see that a lot in today's game. So I would love for the Rays to maybe change that narrative, bring up Edwards, bring that back in. And maybe that'll change change the game back. We'll see. Yeah, hey, we'll see. It would be awesome to see. I mean, even though I'm not a big Rays guy, seeing that type of baseball, I, I would love to see it. So obviously, we've talked about the five teams in the AL East now. Let's let's give a little bit of prediction of what's going to happen in 2022. <sighs> even though we've still got the rest of the off season to go, obviously MLB's in lockout. We the season's up in the air. We don't really know what's going to happen. Teams can make a lot of moves before the season starts. Absolutely. But as of right now, who do you think the division winner for the AL East is going to be in 2022? Oh, man. It's very hard to say because if they, if a lot of these teams make the moves that they need to, um, man, I, I think off the top of my head, as much as it's going to hurt me to say, I can definitely see the Boston Red Sox with their rotation. If they can go out and get a great bullpen arm to, or maybe a couple of bullpen arms to go and fill out that full, fill out that bullpen. I think that starting rotation, if it can play, if it can really play up to its potential, I think it'd be really, really well. That you don't know how much that hurts me to say, but <laughs> with the lineup that they have, the way that they play their brand of baseball and, if, like I said, to go get a guy like Suzuki to fill in that center field role, and if he plays as if he plays just as well as we've heard him play in Japan, then that's just another bat in the Red Sox order, and that's going to be able to do damage. So I can yeah. definitely see the Red Sox coming and taking over this division this next year. Yeah, um, I was thinking about it too, and I was thinking, man, the Rays obviously they won a hundred games last year. They haven't really lost much over the offseason, but they also haven't really gained too much. So, I don't know. It's hard to bet against the Rays, but I think I'm going to have to go with you, too, and say that the Red Sox are going to come out on top. Um, Obviously, like we said, they got one of the best batting orders in MLB. Pitching was kind of a weakness for them, but it's obvious they've made that a priority in the offseason with the three names they added for the rotation. And if they can add another guy or add a bullpen arm, that's even better. So, in my opinion, I think the Red Sox are going to be the team to beat in the division. But at the same time, like we said at the start of this episode, this is probably the best division in baseball. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be competitive all the way to the end. Yeah, it's going to be competitive. I I would be I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same like last year to where everyone's competitive and it comes down to the very end of the season. That honestly would not shock me. I completely agree. I could see them having four 90-win teams again because all four of those teams are going to be right there mm-hmm. competing just as they were last year. So it's it's going to be an exciting division to watch in baseball. Absolutely. And obviously, I'm re- I obviously being a Yankees fan, I'm rooting for my Yankees, but they need to do what they need. They need to figure out that lineup and figure out something going on there to where we can actually win baseball games. Yeah, 100%. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm looking forward to it, even though I have no interest, rooting interest in the AL East. Obviously, as a baseball <laughs> fan, it's fun to watch those teams. Absolutely. 
Well, y'all, before we wrap this up, I got one last ad for you guys. Uh, the app is called Calm. It's a meditation app. Calm is a software company based in San Francisco, California. It produces med- meditation pro- uh, products, including guided uh, medications and sleep stories. They're the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation with over 100 million downloads and over 1.5 million five-star five reviews. They are Apple, Apple Best of 2018 Award winners, Apple App of the Year 2017, Google Play Editor Choice in 2018, and to be named by the Center, uh, Center for Humane Technology as the world's happiest app. Sign up today to try the Calm app today for free and channel your inner LeBron. <laughs> channel your inner LeBron, baby. What, hey. else could, what else could you want? That's what I'm saying. I mean, I may I may have to go take a gander at that app. I mean, I would, <laughs> I, I could use myself some relaxation after watching the Yankees game, or even after the Cowboys uh, Cowboys lost this last this last couple weekends. You know, yeah, oh I, I could definitely use some relax, relaxation. <laughs> so much pain for Maddie C in between oh, the man. Yankees and the Cowboys. Maybe they'll turn around. I mean, I'm making, I got the talent. I'm making only hope. Yeah. I'll, I'll be thinking of you, buddy. Hopefully, you can get some wins here coming up in the playoffs. <laughs> I appreciate you, Brenda. <laughs> so, I think that's just about all that we've got for the first episode of Bullpen Bros. Um, if you look at the other BDL shows that we've got coming up, I'd appreciate if you give those a listen as well. We've got the inaugural episode of What's Streaming with Bryce Hirayama already out. We'll be talking about entertainment stuff, so that'll be an interesting listen for sure. You'll have The Mansion coming out, Samari Sanchez. That's being Wednesday. And, of course, the other sports show in BDL, The Owen Show. Shout out to my man Owen and Tim Hunt. They're doing great things with The Owen Show that comes out on Thursdays. And then the one and only BDL, Boys Don't Lie, with Ashe Sanchez, Owen Burke, and Samari. That's on Fridays. Keep your eye on it, out on that. Obviously, the flagship show under this brand. So, yeah, give all of them a listen. We would love to have you. And I think that'll wrap it up for the first episode of the Bullpen Bros. Absolutely. Next week, I think we're going to discuss the AL Central. So, obviously, I'll get to talk about my Royals. You got to talk about your Yankees this week. I'll have my Royals talk. I don't really know if that's going to be a positive thing or a negative thing, but I'll we'll find out for sure. Hey, I mean, I'll enjoy, I'm, I'll enjoy talking about them no matter what. I'm excited so. to I'm excited to hear you talk about your Royals. You know, I think they I think they have some promise. Um, we'll see what we got going on there. I'm excited for next week for sure to tackle the Central. That's a very interesting division as well. Um, yeah, hundred percent. So I'm excited. Thank you guys, all y'all for listening. Feel free to reach out to us, like I said, with the, or like we said, with any fan questions. Um, we love constructive criticism as well. If you like to hear something in the show, have some ideas, we're more than welcome to listen to them. Um, Other than that, thank you guys for taking the time to listen, and uh, God bless everyone. Yep, we'll see you guys next week.